Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. So let me ask you a question. What is today? Mother's Day. Mother's Day. What are we going to do? We're going to celebrate and honor mothers. This day was not invented by the Hallmark Card Company. Just want you to know that. This day began thousands of years ago when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments on the top of Mount Sinai, and he said, honor your father and mother that it may be well with you and, and your life will be long on the earth. And God knew that as a people, we are forgetful and we need to be reminded. So he repeated it again in the New Testament. And the apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the Ephesian church, he said, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. And this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. Who doesn't want to have a long life and have things go well for them? Well, here's, here's one of the first steps right here that we honor our parents, our father and our mother. Now, when you become an adult, you know, we need to put some, some caveats in there. We're not always called to obey, but we're always called to honor, always called to respect, always called to honor. So I just want to say, hey, everybody, honor your mom today. Honor your mother. And you might say, well, Pastor Paul, how do I do that? Well, let me just give you a couple of, of thoughts. If you're living at home, if you're a child and you're still living at home, let me just remind you, she is your mom, not your maid. Pick up your own mess. Make your own bed. Learn how to fold your own clothes. And can I just, can I just elaborate on that a little bit? Because she's going to shut me down in just a minute. I can, I can tell. Hey, husbands, every husband in this house today, she is your wife. She's your bride wife. She's your, she is your wife, not your maid either. Preach. So pick up your own dirty clothes. Don't make more work for her. Help her with the load that she's carrying each and every day. So here's some things you could do if you're still living at home. Don't talk back. Do not talk back to her. Do not argue with her. Do not roll your eyes at your mama. Do not, that is not respectful. Don't then we're called to respect. Take her out to eat. Take her out to eat once a month. Come on, moms, here's your chance. Take her out to eat once a week. If you can, take her out to eat. Show her that you love her. Write her a letter telling her how much you appreciate her and thank her for all the times when she pulled you out of the fire, the trouble that you'd gotten into. If she's older, go visit her. Thank her for all she's done. Be patient with her. If she likes flowers, buy your mama some flowers. Buy her some flowers. You don't have to wait for Mother's Day. Mother's Day is every day. Every day. So if she likes flowers, buy her some flowers. If she likes birds, buy her a bird feeder. If she likes diamond jewelry, buy her a bird feeder. (laughs) Throw money at her. Let me tell you, one day, one day she won't be here. And you won't be able to talk to her. You won't be able to ask her for her advice. You won't be able to hug her or kiss her or tell her how much you love her. So do it 
And do it now. Do it today. Platform, because that's all he's getting this morning. (laughs) No. So in the New Testament, Paul writes to Titus, and he says, the older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children. So I'm pretty sure this is what Pastor Don was thinking about when he was planning for this morning, this Mother's Day. So apparently, he couldn't find an older woman. So he asked me. So I said, okay. Or he thinks 39 is old. I, you know, I don't know. One or the other. <laughs> so there was a professor at Cornell University, and he is proof that you can be educated beyond your intelligence. You've heard that. His name was Dr. Yuri Bronfenbrenner. Remember that name if you ever come across it. This is what he said about mothers. He said, even very young children can function adequately with good surrogate care. He also said, studies do not support the idea that a child must be cared for by his mother. He said, men are just as adept as women in caring for children. Hmm. Then he qualifies his remarks. I love this. He says, each child does need someone to make an irrational commitment to him. In other words, somebody that won't pack up and go home at 5 o'clock. And he, all, he continues to qualify his remarks. And he says, this caretaker must love the child better than anyone else's children. Or the child should spend a substantial amount of time with somebody who's crazy about him. I don't know about you, but that sounds an awful, like, an awful lot like a mother. So the truth is, Dr. Yuri Bronfenbrenner, there is no more important person in a child's life than his mother. Agreed? Amen. So I'm a mom, three kids, and I'm a grandmother, eight and a half grandkids. Um, and I know that, and I know I'm a mom. And you, I'm sure, know that you're a mom. I hope you do, if you have children. But apparently, there are people who are not sure. I found a list on the internet that gives 100 ways to know if you're a mom. What would we do without the internet? Exactly. (laughs) I want to read a few of those for you. See if you can relate. You know you're a mom when last night you leaned over and cut up your husband's pork chop. I've done it. You know you're a mom when instead of talking to adults, you spell to them. You know you're a mom when you have take a shower on your to-do list. You know you're a mom when picking up another human and smelling their bottom doesn't seem abnormal. Every mom can relate. You know you're a mom when your idea of self-care includes going to Target alone. 
love it. You still love it. You know you're a mom when you daydream about a land where women go to the bathroom alone and don't have to narrate what's going on in there. (laughs) You know you're a mom when you tell yourself pizza has all the food groups. (laughs) One more. You know you're a mom when you wish there was a drive-through everything. (laughs) I still wish that. But there are three things that I do know about being a mom. Number one, motherhood is hard. Number two, motherhood is wonderful. Agreed? Number three, motherhood is hard. (laughs) So nothing, there's nothing easy about it. It can be backbreaking, It can be heart-wrenching. I've always said nobody can hurt you like your kids. It can produce tons of anxiety. And that's just the morning. No job has encompassed so much, raised so many questions, and created so many doubts in the minds of women. I used to be very sure of myself. Not anymore. There should be an iPhone app where you can put in all the variables about your children, their personality, their age, their weight, their characteristics, and then press a button and it prints out a perfect parent plan. Agreed? Well, I have good news this morning. No, I don't know of an app. I don't know of an app. But we have an easy three-point parenting plan. And when we're finished, you're going to wonder why we haven't written a book. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. So we, like I said, we have three things we want to tell the moms this morning. Hopefully it's an encouragement, maybe some advice. Um, But we think, we think all the moms are going to be able to relate to this. Number one, choose contentment over comparison. So learn to be content with your family, your husband, your kids, your situation. So your family is unique. So it's incomparable. It's like comparing apples to oranges. The problem we have today is with social media, with Facebook, Instagram, We see all these pictures, all these snapshots. And let me tell you what these are. These are highlights. These are snapshots of a person's life. They're not giving you the the, uh, unedited video, okay? They're not gonna show you the baby screaming. They're not gonna show you the argument with the teenager. They're not gonna show you the disagreement with the husband. So remember that when you're scrolling through Facebook. This is just a highlight of that person's life. But it's easy to to look at that and be discontent with what you have. And um, all of a sudden, you're not satisfied with what you have. You look at that husband and go, how come you are not doing that? How come? Did you have to use me for an example? (laughs) (laughs) You're the closest thing here, okay? Um, 
so it can, and the problem with that is it keeps us from enjoying our lives and keeps us from being thankful. Yeah. True? Yeah, that's true. Okay. Um, So, the mom with an immaculate house, an ideal husband, model kids, and no problems does not exist. You hear me? It's a mirage. Okay? I ran across a book, and I had to buy it. Uh, several years ago, um, the author's name is Nancy Rose. She says, the title says, Raise the Child You've Got, Not the One You Want. The child you want is your fantasy. Think about it. This child never creates conflict, always makes you feel good as a mom, always behaves always listens to you and agrees with you and you never que- and never questions your authority this person hate to tell you is not real <laughs> and the, the truth is we've all had issues had and have issues with our kids if you're honest um i had a situation not just one of course Uh, But I had a situation with one of my kids, I won't mention her name, Um, but she, at a very young age, she couldn't have been older than two. 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 And she already had very definite, specific ideas about what she wanted to wear. And if it was blue versus red, that's one thing. But this was weather-related. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm from Minnesota. We'd be in Minnesota, and she wanted to wear shorts. And because I hate being cold, I can't imagine my child being cold, you know? And so we would, we would butt heads. And it, got, it was such a thing that I remember calling several older women and just saying, what do I do with this? This kid is not even a teenager. What do I have to look forward to here? It was like putting an octopus in pajamas and yes. strapping it in yes. a car seat. Yeah. Yes. The less clothes, the better. Okay? So, we, 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 all have, we all have stuff with our kids. But as an older woman, 39, um, <laughs> I have a few pieces of advice that might help you with, those, with your real kids. And they're this. Give large doses of encouragement. You'll never go wrong. Don't make a monument over every wrong thing. Don't revisit that all the time. Say yes as much as possible. Even when it's a no, there's other ways to say it. Like, how about if we do this this time? You know, maybe we'll do that another time, you know. So say yes as much as possible. Anticipate mistakes and misbehavior. We don't. We're surprised and we're frustrated when it happens. I don't know why. Um, Think of these as training opportunities. And as parents of grown children, I look back and I'm like, I'm thankful a lot of those things happened while they were under my roof so I could deal with it, so I could teach, so I could train. So be thankful for those training opportunities. 
Um, and any misbehavior that your kids do is not necessarily a reflection of your poor mothering. Think about it. They have a sin nature like you and I. And they need a savior like you and I. So it's not always a reflection of your poor mothering. Most of the time it's not. Think about Adam and Eve. Their parent was God. He was perfect. And they made wrong choices and became discontent. Here's another thing. Bad days don't make bad moms. We all have them. I shouldn't have said that right there, should I? No. I'm sorry. You need to know when to turn the mic off. Here's another one. Throw away all the parenting books that make you feel like a failure. Thank you. Don't give it to somebody else so they can feel like a failure. (laughs) Give it to me and I'll throw it away. And the last one. Enjoy each day. As parents of, we're empty nesters, it goes by like a blink of an eye. I know you've heard that, but it is true. Enjoy each day and eat more chocolate cake. (laughs) So we need to be content with our family, and we we need to be content with our circumstances. Can I just say we're not talking about being complacent? Correct. But content. Complacent is just an attitude. I'm just going to sit back and let life happen to me and not really respond or react in any way. Content is different. I'm content with my circumstances, but I'm still striving for the goal, the prize that God has for us. Just just a little pointer there. (laughs) I want you to know how difficult this is for him. (laughs) You're doing good. You're doing so good. Thank you. So we need to be content with our circumstances. We think if my, we, we may not say it, but we think if my circumstances were different, I would be different. So I guess what we're saying is I'm really loving and kind and, and giving, but because of my circumstances, I can't. That's kind of ridiculous, isn't it? Think about Eve. She was in the perfect environment had the perfect circumstances, and she became discontent and made wrong decisions. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, the opposite of that is Joseph. In horrible circumstances, and you know the story, he was hated, rejected, sold into slavery by his own family, lied about, put in prison, uh, and he didn't respond in the wrong way or act like a victim. So we need to be thankful for our circumstances. Proverbs 15, 15, I love this verse, says, for the happy heart, life is a continual feast. Amen. So the quality of my life is based on how thankful I am to God. Would you agree? It's true even if you don't. Okay. One last thing on being content. And I, um, I really want you to get this. The circumstances in your life are not an indication of what God thinks about you. If you want to know what God thinks about you, remember the cross. 
he loves you. But your circumstances, he uses to teach you, to uh, lead you, guide you, show you, put you in a position where you can help somebody else. It's not an, an indication of what he thinks about you if you're going through rough times right now. So be content with your family. Be content with your circumstances. No perfect moms, no perfect dads, no perfect kids, no perfect homes. Okay? Love your real life. That's the moral of that story. And we have a perfect Savior. That's right. That's right. So that's chapter one. That's chapter one. Okay. Our book just has three chapters so far. Okay. So is it my turn now? It's your turn now. I get to do a little bit. Okay. So chapter number two is this aim for godly over good. Aim for godly over good. We all want our kids to be good. But it's more important that we train them to be godly. It's more important that we connect with their heart and lead them into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I love a little truth that I saw several years back, and, and I just want to share it with you here. It'll, it, it will help make the point. It says, as a parent, uh, my, my priority in life is to help you, as he's speaking to a child, my priority in life is to help you get into heaven, not Harvard. We're not opposed to education. Get all the education you can get. But ultimately, at the end of the day, we're talking about eternity. Eternity. And, and it is just so important that we do not settle for outward behavior and ignore a child's heart condition. And, and we can know that condition through observation and interaction. And as we pray, God speaks to us and helps us to know and understand. Nobody wants to live with a little two or three-year-old domestic terrorist, you know. So we do train them. We train their behavior. That's right and good and appropriate. But as they get older, it is so important that we are able to lead them to a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and see them grow in their own relationship with God. One of the highlights of my life was the evening when my son, he was probably seven, no more than eight years old, said, Daddy, would you pray with me? I want to get saved. I want to give my heart to Jesus. There's just nothing, nothing like that. And, And I think many times in churches, we grow up and we teach our kids how to behave in church and how to behave at the Christian school we send them to and how to behave at the, uh, at the youth group that they're attending. And, and you know, they, they learn all the right kind of behavior. But if we're not careful, I've seen many parents left just scratching their head because when their kids got to be college age and they moved on to a campus, all of a sudden all of the values and standards that they were raised with went right out the door. And I want to I encourage you with this. When you read the book of Daniel, there, there is such an amazing story there. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were young men who lived in a God-centric culture. Their music, their law, their literature, their entertainment, everything, their holidays, it was all about God. They were literally kidnapped. They were, they were prisoners of war taken from their home, from their families, drug across miles of desert into a new country where they were given new names, a new identity, had to learn a new language. 
And here's where you find out what, what was going on in their heart. They didn't bend or bow to that new culture. They were true to God. There was a heart relationship that they had established with God. And even, even down to the small points where Daniel said, I can't eat this. I, I, I will not defile myself before God. And took a hard stand on that. And if there's anything that I would encourage you, moms and dads, pray, pray for your children's personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And understand and know that everything in your home can help point them to Jesus and point to truth. Take advantage of every opportunity to train them. Every one of our kids are different and they all come to us with sealed orders. And it is our job as parents to help unpack what is inside our children's hearts and inside their, their lives. Uh, part of our calling is to help them discover their unique talent, their unique bent, Uh, Some things are hereditary and are passed down, but some things are not. Just because you loved and played football and were a a star athlete doesn't necessarily mean that your son is going to be an athlete. Uh, He might be a computer whiz and and make a million dollars every weekend. Who knows? But uh, it it is our job to help find those gifts and, and steer them towards those gifts, how they can use those gifts in the kingdom of God for the kingdom of God. Proverbs 22, six in the amplified version says this, train up a child in the way he should go. And, and this is a, a clarification point it says, and in keeping with his individual gift or bent. Okay. So train him up, figure out what he's good at, help him to discover those things, him or her and train them up. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Our kids are uniquely shaped. They are uniquely uh, created for certain things. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16, it says, For everything, absolutely everything above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in him, in God, and finds its purpose in him. I want you to know, when I am in Christ, I I discover my purpose. I discover God's calling on my life. Most of you have no idea how shy I am. Uh, Most people, you, for those of you who ever attended or heard anything about the witness, my parents almost fell over when they saw me in doing the witness. I never imagined that I would ever preach, that I would, I remember looking at my dad one day, uh, he had asked me to lead worship. I'd been doing it in a, a small group with some teenagers. It was the only time I looked my dad in the eye and said, I will not. I said, I will never lead worship in church. Never. And about two weeks later, guess where I was? I was leading worship in church. He saw something. He knew something was there. For those of you who are finishing up your high school education, parents, help your children to understand that when people come to your child and say, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do after graduation? That is the wrong question. The right question is, what does God want you to do now? What direction does God have for your life right now? That is the right question. 
That's a question that has an answer. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says this, it is God himself who has made us what we are and has given us new lives from Christ Jesus. And long ago, ages ago, he planned that we should spend these lives in helping others. Let me tell you what will clarify. I'm just speaking to to moms so that you can teach your children. And I'm speaking to all the older kids and high school kids and maybe college kids or maybe even a few years older than that. If you want to clarify the direction of your life, I see college kids, college aged kids who are just filled with anxiety. I don't know what school to go to. Should I go to SLCC or UL or LSU or I don't know where to go. I don't, I don't want to make a wrong choice. I don't know what to major in. I don't, should I do just general studies or I don't know, should I be a, a, a nuclear physicist? I'm not sure. I, I don't know which, what I should do. Let me tell you what will help you clarify. It says it right here in this verse. He planned that we should spend these lives helping others. If you will begin to help people where you are, help people take every if you're in school open a door for somebody who's got two arm loads of books if they drop their books take a minute help them pick them up help them along however help your mom at home help people in your neighbor help people every way you can and as you obey God's word it's so simple it's so easy and yet we think it's it's too easy it's too simple but this is one of the things that will help bring clarity into what you like to do and what you're good at. And it may have nothing to do with helping the person, but as you are obeying God, many times it will have something to do with the help that you are offering. It will become clear to you. God will lead you, guide you, and direct you. So what does this look like? How do we we handle this? Well, number one, as parents, as moms and dads, we model what it is to walk with Jesus in this world and in this in this culture that we live in. It's so important that we help develop in our children the good, righteous habits. Righteous habits. And I think one of the best is the habit of attending church every Sunday. I think it is absolutely wonderful. Remember, your children are going to be the parents of your grandchildren. And if you want your grandkids to grow up in church, help your kids to know how important it is for you to be in church and to love God and to pray and to worship. All of those things, model that for your kids so that your grandkids will grow up in that kind of a home. You'll never regret cultivating this habit for your kids. Nothing will help them grow spiritually as much as being in the house of God. This is so very important. Now, my growing up years were different than most of yours. I grew up in a pastor's home. We were in church all the time, all the time. But I want to tell you, being in church did something for me. It affected me in a powerful, powerful way. I learned to love God. I learned to be in his presence and love being in his presence. I, I, I learned to enjoy worship because it's different with, with the body of Christ than it is when you're by yourself. There's just a different dynamic. And I fell in love with that. I fell in love with God's word and it became so exciting to me. And, and there was a curiosity and seeds that were planted in my heart. My life my personhood was shaped in church to help me become the man that I would eventually be, to help me be the husband that I would eventually be, and help me to be the daddy and the grandfather that I would eventually be. It is absolutely essential. I would encourage you with everything that is in you to, to develop righteous habits in the lives of your kids. 
I'm through now for a little while. Okay. So chapter three is choose prayer over panic. This should be number one and number two and number three. Um, moms, you cannot continue to pour out 24-7, pour out, pour out, and not, uh, and not be filled back up. You cannot. You will crash and burn. I've crashed and burned. Um, if something needs to be left off of your to-do list, don't take prayer off. I had a, um, I, when my kids were all under five, three kids under five, I started feeling really bad because it was really, really hard to find time to spend with the Lord. And I talked to this older lady and she said, Lynn. She was 39. Right? She was 39, yeah. I talked to this older woman and she said, Lynn, don't you think God knows you have three little ones? I said, yeah, I guess he probably does. So, um, so he, I think he really helps us to make the best use of our time in prayer because we don't have as much. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lady, and, or there's a man, and you all know who this is, Dr. Ben Carson. He's a neuro surgeon. He's a neurosurgeon, and I think he's a pediatric neurosurgeon. Um, anyway, he operates on brains. Pretty impressive. He was also the United States Director of Housing and Urban Development, I think. Very, very accomplished. So, uh, Dr. Ben Carson had a single mom. His mother was married at 13. She started early. Uh, had two boys. After being married 10 years, finds out that her husband has another family. So she did what you and I would probably do, and she divorced him. him. Oh, killed him. Yes. <laughs> In some cases, is it okay? Okay. So she divorced him, finds herself as a single mom, and her boys were doing terrible in school, failing, both of them failing in school. Ben Carson was ridiculed as the dumbest kid in the class. So she finds Jesus, starts praying, and God gives her a plan. She told her boys, she said, after school, we're not going to do anything until we do homework, and we're going to read two books a week. That's quite a few, that's quite a lot. Age appropriate, I'm sure. I'm sure. It wasn't like the Encyclopedia Britannica. I'm sure. Right. Well, he's a neurosurgeon, so it may have been. Who knows? Yeah, you're right. Read two books a week, and we're going to pray, and we're not going to give up. And you see the result. Two men that contributed greatly to the kingdom of God and to the world today. And that was because she prayed and God gave her a plan. I love this scripture. Isaiah 40, verse 11. This is a verse just for moms. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. And I love this. He gently leads those that have young. That's us. But we need to get in a place of prayer where he can make deposits. Um, There were so many times when he helped me. Um, My mom was 1,300 miles away. Of course, I could call her, but it's not the same. And I can remember one time the Holy Spirit told me to go to my daughter's bedroom, open this drawer, 
And I found a letter that was, <laughs> um, found out she was in a relationship. Didn't know that. And uh, we've squashed that like a bug. And, uh, but the Holy Spirit told me that. And there's other times when he tells me, Lynn, what you're worrying about is small potatoes. I mean, there's just no end to the things that God has done for me through the years when it comes to parenting and being a mom. So keep praying. You never get too old or too wise to pray. I'm more dependent on Jesus now than I ever was before. That's right. Okay? That's right. So moms, put that on on your to-do list as number one. Spend time with Jesus. Amen. So for anyone who may not be aware, I just want to be upfront and let you know that we subscribe to the Bill Cosby School of Thought. If you were concerned that my wife went into our daughter's bedroom and opened a drawer and looked around, uh, how dare you go into your daughter's bedroom and look around it? No, that's not my daughter's. That's my bedroom. That's my house. And you get to live here until you move out and get your own house with your own bedroom. And so we subscribe to the Bill Cosby School of Thought on that. Can I just tell you, one of the things that prayer will do for you, I love the way David says it. He says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. How how many of you have ever looked through a pair of binoculars? Did you ever pick up a pair of, how many of you, when you had those binoculars, you turned them around the other direction? That's what the devil likes to do. He he wants you to get them turned around and, and think God's just so far away. But he says, he says this, he, he says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. And as we pray and as we begin to thank God for his faithfulness and all that he's done for us and all that he's accomplished, what happens, we begin to magnify the Lord. And pretty soon you start getting happy and, and the load begins to lift. And before you know it, you're doing that little exercise that every mom and dad needs to know so that you can use it at home. You start, you start thinking about it and how big God is and how great he is, how loving, how kind, how powerful, how wise. And, and all of a sudden things get back into proper perspective and you start saying, I've got a great big God and a little bitty problem. Because before you pray, you got a great big problem and a little bitty God. But when you get things in the right perspective, you've got a great big God and a little bitty problem. Uh, I thank you for the opportunity for us to share these thoughts with you today. These are things that we have lived and I know that there may be some of you uh, that are here today and your heart is hurting. And you would say, Pastor Paul, Miss Lynn, we did all those things. We, we raised our kids the best way we knew how. They grew up in church and we prayed over them. We loved them. We really focused on godly and not just settling for good we prayed. And, and for those of you who, when your kids got old enough, they, they started on a detour and detoured away from the way you raised them. I want to give you just a little bit of hope. I want you to remember the life of Moses. And we all know about Moses, what a great man he was. The Bible says that his mama looked at him when he was born and knew that he was a special child, a special child. She knew God's hand was on him even when he was a baby. She knew he had a calling. He had a purpose for his life. In order to spare him, she broke the law. The law was that she was to kill him because he was a male. And instead, when he got to be about three months old, she couldn't hide him anymore. She she crafted a little basket and smeared it so it would be waterproof and set him down in the bulrushes on the edge of the Nile River and told his older sister Miriam to watch over him. And you know how the story goes. Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe herself in the water, heard the baby crying, found the baby. And Miriam runs up, brave little girl, 
runs up to Pharaoh's daughter and says, I know a lady who could nurse him for you. I know a lady who could help take care of him for you. And she said, well, go get that lady. And she runs home and tells her, mama, mama, come. And Jochebed, Moses' mama, got paid by Pharaoh to raise her own son, to nurse him as a little baby. Pharaoh paid for his Nikes, for his braces, and all of those things. How good is God? How good is God? And she instilled into his young little heart who he was, a sense of identity, who he was, who he was before God, a sense of purpose and direction. You have a destiny in your life. There came a day, and I'm sure it was a sad day for Jochebed, she had to give him back. And he was raised in Pharaoh's house, and he was skilled in all of the learning of Egypt. But I know that what his mama put in his heart stayed with him because he was aware of his identity and who he was and who his people were and and at least a little bit about God's purposes for his people. And one day while he was out and about, he saw an Egyptian abusing and mistreating an Israeli brother. And Moses got angry. He lost his temper and he beat the man to death. Moses became a murderer. Maybe your kids are on a detour, but I don't know of anybody who's taken a detour quite like that. You think about it for a minute. Think about how Jochebed felt. Think about, think about the confusion. Think about the prayer. Think about he's taken a de- I mean, we're talking a major detour. Now, he didn't end up in a penitentiary prison cell with bars and four walls, but he did end up in a backside of the wilderness cell. And he spent every day of 40 years in that wilderness cell until he had an encounter with God and he got back to leading Israel out of bondage and fulfilling God's purposes for his life so what I want to say to you mom and dad that a detour is something none of us enjoy none of us like but if you're praying for a child if you're believing God for a child don't ever quit Don't ever quit. Don't ever stop. Don't ever stop. I believe that the Bible teaches that our prayers are cumulative. It it talks about it in Revelation, that when the cup got full, then it overflowed. And I just want to encourage you, continue to pray, continue to believe. I want to share with you a verse of scripture that has just been uh, just so dear to our hearts and, and one of many promises that are given to us. But this is for those of you that are praying for, uh, for a child. It's in Isaiah 49, verse 25. But the Lord says, and let me just pause right there and preach a little bit. This is not Isaiah. This is not what Isaiah says. This is not what some other man or some rabbi or some, I want you to pay attention. The Lord says, okay? It's important you know who's speaking here. The Lord says, the captives of warriors. What do we call people who pray with all their heart? Prayer warriors, right? prayer warriors, people who pour their heart out to God. He says, but the captives of warriors will be released and the plunder of tyrants will be retrieved for I, this is God, is for I will fight those who fight you. Uh, Our warfare, Paul tells us, is not against flesh and blood. But God says, I will fight against spiritual, spiritual powers of darkness in high places. I will fight against deceit and deception, against addiction, against attitudes and strongholds. I will fight against those things that, that you cannot fight against. I will fight those who fight you and I will, read it with me, save your 
children. That, my friend, is the word of the Lord. Not only do our children sometimes take a detour, sometimes we take a detour. And I just want you to know that that the best way to recover from a detour is to come to Jesus. To come to Jesus and allow him to, to take what has happened in the past and somehow squeeze a blessing out of it and use it for good. I want you to know that regardless of what bad decisions you may have made in your past, one good decision can turn everything around. Everything. Everything. And it's so, it's so easy. Somebody said it like this one time that God did the hard part so that we can do the easier part. And, and it is an easier part, but it, 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 is, it sometimes has its challenges because it involves surrender and releasing of ourselves. And the Bible says that, that when we long to see the kingdom of God and then participate, belong to the kingdom of God, that here's what we do, that we just get honest with God and we just just confess to the Lord, God, I've, I've done things I shouldn't have done. I've said some things I shouldn't have said. I've gone places I shouldn't have gone. I am so sorry for my sin. And then the Bible says that we believe, that I believe that Jesus is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he can do, what he will do. I believe that he died on the cross, was buried in a tomb and raised to life on the third day. And then finally, the Bible says that we confess, we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth. And what that means is that I just say out loud that I've surrendered my life to the Lordship of Jesus. I'm gonna live for him, not for myself any longer. I'm gonna live for Jesus. I, I would love to have the opportunity to pray with you. And, and give you a chance to have a brand new relationship. Jesus did not come to earth to establish a religion. Some people want to argue, what's the right religion? What's the right church? Jesus didn't come to establish a religion. He came to restore a relationship. So every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you'd say, Pastor Paul, I want to be a part of God's family. I want to be on God's side. Would you just raise your hand? I just want to see who I'm praying for. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front or anything, but lift it up real high. Like you want to be sure that God sees, that God knows, and he does. But just lift it up so I can see. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you back there in the balcony. Just lift it up real high. Wave at me. Yes, I see you up there. This is your day. This is a day you will remember this moment 10,000 years from, from today. You will remember this moment. I want to lead you in prayer. And I want to ask you just to pray with me right now. Just repeat after me, dear Lord Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus. I believe you are the son of God. I believe you are the son of God. I believe that on the cross. I believe that on the cross. You took my sin. You took my sin. My shame. My shame. My guilt. My guilt. And you died for me. And you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you rose from the dead. To give me a place in heaven. To give me a place in heaven. A purpose on earth. A purpose on earth. And a relationship with your father. And a relationship with your father. And today, Lord Jesus. Today, Lord Jesus. I turn from my sin. I turn from my sin. To follow you 
you with all of my heart. To follow you with all of my heart. No matter what it costs me. No matter what it costs me. God is my Father. God is my Father. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And the Holy Spirit is my helper. And the Holy Spirit is my And helper. heaven is now my home. And heaven is now my home. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 God bless you.